So here is a story for you. I just celebrated my ninth year in business, but it's the first time I didn't celebrate my anniversary. So nine years ago is when I made the decision to leave my life as a lawyer completely behind me and transition into date coaching. And then as many of you know, that business grew pretty quickly. And so within a year, I transitioned out of date coaching and into business coaching full-time, which is what I've been doing for the past eight years, right? So I celebrated my nine years in business, but I didn't celebrate it. I was feeling all kinds of ways about it. And in past episodes, I've shared a few things with you. There have been a lot of issues going on with my health this year. There have been issues with my husband's job this year. We moved to a whole new city still less than a year ago. And so this past year was really an intentionally a pullback year, but I wasn't going to have it be a pullback year. I made the decision as things were happening to just keep everything the way it was, kind of table some of the growth goals that I had. And it was an intentional decision at the time that I made it. But when I was heading into the year, heading into 2023, well, really heading into this time in 2022, the midway mark of last year, I had really big, huge goals for my business. And then life happens as it does. And I just, I did. I made that decision to keep things status quo and deep dive over into some of these areas of my life. So I hit my ninth anniversary and I just did not feel like busting out the champagne, did not feel like celebrating. But I thought, you know what I'll do? Because I see people do this and I really do think that there's some value to this. And if you've never done this, I highly recommend that you do. I went to all of my financial reports and I wanted to look at how much money, how much revenue I had generated in my business year over year over year. I was, it's part of my mid-year review. So when you're listening to this, when I'm recording this, it is the middle of June. And this is about the time that I do my mid-year review. And so I was going to do this anyway. So I thought, well, let's do this. So I pulled out all my reports and I looked, you know, year over year instead of just month over month of all of my financials. And I realized that every year since starting my business, my revenue in my business has increased some years more substantially than others, but it's always been on the uptick. But then I saw that since starting my business, I had a while ago without realizing it, I had crossed the million dollar mark in lifetime revenue. In generating revenue in my business, it had well crossed the million dollar mark. That's a huge milestone when you really think about it. To think me, Rita, a solo entrepreneur, has generated in nine years over a million dollars in my business. So you think I would have pulled out the champagne to celebrate that, but nope. I did not because my mindset was already focused on what I had not achieved. And I think you guys have heard me say this before. What we focus on always expands. What we focus on always multiplies. We see more of what we're looking for. And in that moment, all I was thinking about were all the goals that I had this time in 2022 that I have not achieved. Again, intentionally, intentionally did not achieve them, but still. I was focused on what I didn't do. And so I fell into this pit of like, 
quicksand. (laughs) And the quicksand we'll call comparison. And I think we all know the comparison trap. I am in, well, I'm surrounded all day, whether it's my clients, whether it's my network online, a mastermind group that I'm in, by these incredible women, really high achievers, high revenue generators. And often, I mean, almost always, I am completely uplifted by all of their accomplishments. It is one thing surrounding myself with the network and the people and the support that I have surrounded myself with that I've cultivated over the past nine years has been such an important part of why I've been able to grow my business year over year. But on that day, (laughs) on that day, because I was focused on everything I didn't do, everything I was going to achieve that I hadn't achieved, again, I'm just going to say intentionally, but it didn't matter. And the reason I keep bringing that up is that it didn't matter. It didn't matter that it wasn't intentional in that moment. My brain was just like, here's everything you said you were going to do. And look, you didn't do it. And so this is probably going to be the first year that my revenue stays the same as the year before. Maybe a little more. It could be a little under, but basically the same because of the decisions that I made. So again, I was sitting there and I'm normally really uplifted by my people. And on this day, I felt really small. I don't know if you've been there before, but I felt really small. Here I am looking at the fact that over nine years, and in fact, it was a while ago, I can't believe I missed this milestone, I had crossed the million-dollar mark in revenue in my business. But instead of celebrating, I felt so tiny because I fell into that comparison trap. So I started scrutinizing their accomplishments, their journeys, how they had been building their business, especially some of the the women that I'm surrounded with in my mastermind group that we share all of this. But for everybody that I know, and I know all of this information, and even to be honest, when I didn't know the information, I was kind of making it up in my head. I don't know if you've been there before, right? We just assume all of these things. And when we're in a certain kind of mindset, it can be really hard to turn it off. And so I was scrutinizing all of these journeys of all of these amazing business owners and entrepreneurs. But I was wondering, like, why is it that they reached the same goal, but faster than me? Why is it that this person celebrated crossing the million dollar mark and they're only a year into business? Why is it that this person celebrated crossing the million dollar mark, but they only have X number of clients, which are way fewer than the number of clients I have? Or how did this person, or why has this person crossed the million dollar mark and they did it working fewer hours? Or this person hit that milestone, but they did it while jet setting across the globe right? That's where my brain was going. I had this incredible accomplishment. And instead of celebrating, I was comparing and I was feeling small and I felt like I just wasn't doing it right. Does that sound familiar? I will say this, and I've said this many times, it is a very slippery slope from inspiration to inferiority. And usually it's inspiration. But on that day, I was feeling really inferior. And I knew, I knew from experience, because guys, this isn't the first time, and I've shared with you often, that it doesn't matter what your level of success is. It doesn't matter how long your business has been around. It doesn't matter how much you've grown. You will have those days, you will have those moments where you just feel inferior, small, less than, like you're doing everything wrong. I always say it's the burn it all down day. Today's the day I'm going to burn it all down, 
right? You feel all kinds of ways. And I knew from past experience that in those moments, I have to pull myself out of that pit and I can't wallow in it. So there are two things I really want to stress here. When you're feeling this way, I notice a trend of some people to deny it. Like, oh, nope, I shouldn't be feeling this. I shouldn't be comparing. I shouldn't feel bad. I should feel grateful. I should feel what kind of way. So I'm going to ignore that I'm feeling this way. I'm going to deny it, pretend like it's not there, and I'm just going to jump ahead to the next feeling. That's not a great move because you haven't actually acknowledged your emotions, felt and processed your emotions in a healthy way so that you can release them. So had I just immediately moved past it and been like, oh, oh well, let's just be happy, pop the champagne and celebrate, I really would still have all of those feelings somewhere inside. And like a coffee commercial at Christmas that makes you cry for no reason at all, it would have popped up at some unanticipated time, some unexpected way, and I didn't want that to happen. The other thing that I see are people wallowing in those emotions. So once they start feeling that, that they don't want to get out of that pool, they want to swim around in it, they want to feel sad, they just keep filling it up with more water that's drowning them, and they just stay sitting in the uncomfortable emotions, and they never actually acknowledge or process them. They just stay in them, and they don't even try to skip ahead. Really, the healthy thing to do in these moments is to acknowledge how you're feeling. Make sure you fully express the emotion, however that is. So if you're sad, cry. If you're angry, hit a pillow. Go to the gym and work out your energy. Like, If you're scared, go hide in a closet. Like Whatever it is that you need to do, until the feeling has passed. And only then are you in a state where you can reframe the emotion. So I knew I had to do that. And I had to do that quickly before I decided that I was going to swim around and wallow in this pool of inferiority for longer than I needed to be in it. So I made sure that I really identified how I was feeling. I could have said sad. I could have said angry. I could have said whatever. But I pulled out that trusty wheel of emotions. If you guys don't have one, Google wheel of emotions because we have so many, yet we really default to like explaining our emotions 10 ways. But I knew I was feeling inferior. I knew I was feeling all of these ways. And so I said, well, what can I do to let this emotion out? And I'm going to be honest, I needed to cry a little bit. I needed to be a little bit angry. So I did. I cried. I did hit a pillow. I went on a walk. There were all kinds of things I did until I felt the emotions leave my body. It was kind of like, okay, I've got nothing left here to express. I've acknowledged them and I've expressed them, but now I needed to reframe them. So that's when I grabbed my trusty pen and my favorite journal and I wrote out all of my thoughts. I was like, okay, I need to take the way I'm feeling And where I'm not feeling grateful, I need to feel grateful. I need to remind myself that I'm not a victim. I have chosen what this year was going to look like. And I need to measure my success according to the right KPI. My goal for this year, based on a year ago, was not the same as when things happened and I pivoted from my goals. I said, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is what I'm going to focus on. I'm not going to launch this program this year. I'm going to actually reduce my client load. I'm going to transition to start a new arm of my business. This is the right time for it. Like all of these decisions 
that kept me from stepping into the goals, I had to remind myself I intentionally pivoted away from those goals. So I was measuring my success this year based on the original goals that I set in June of 2022. I was looking at KPIs for those goals, even though those were no longer my goals. So I had to write all of this out. What do I need to measure my success by? I needed to step back into gratitude for all of that and everything that I had achieved. And I had to really like take every kind of negative thought that I was having and write a positive version of it, right? Where it's like, oh, I haven't achieved everything I wanted. It's like, I intentionally made decisions and lived into every single one. Or the thought of like, oh, see, my business is it's not doing well. Everything's not working. It's all falling apart. Whatever our catastrophizing brains will do. I had to be like, my business has grown year over year. My business has sustained for nine years. Like, And I can go into detail in that in a future episode one day. Maybe I'll share my journal entries and every single thought that I had and every single way that I reframed it. But really, I just wrote a lot of stuff. I wrote a lot of stuff for a long time. And what came up wasn't a surprise, but it was really just epiphany after epiphany after epiphany. I was comparing myself to people who are so successful and so high achieving, and I love everything that they've done, and I've loved everything that they achieve, and I continue to love them all and all of their achievements. But those processes, those journeys, the way that they built their business, it wouldn't have brought me any joy. I could have followed the exact same formula as them and achieved all of those milestones, cross that million dollar mark, working the fewer hours and cross the million dollar mark in less time and cross the million dollar mark with the offerings that they had and the number of clients that they had and so on and so on. But when I really started putting it under a magnifying glass and looking at it, that's not what I wanted for my business. Their offerings and the way that they work with clients works for them but it wouldn't have made me happy. It wouldn't have lit me up. The number of hours that they chose to work, that wouldn't have made me happy. I mean, I did a whole podcast episode about that once, right? Where I really did try to lean into the, I work 20 hours a week and it brought me nothing but a feeling of depression and sadness, right? So here I was looking at the milestone and looking at the fact, doing that comparison thing that they had crossed it this way and that way and in all ways that I hadn't. And when I did this journaling, I was like, oh my gosh, but their way would not have brought me any joy. Their paths, though really admirable, they weren't cut out for me. Every business is unique, just like the owner of every business. And when you're a solopreneur, the success of your business is not just about improving other people's lives. That's not my measure of success for a business. Like, yes, you can have a successful business if what you do improves the lives of other people. But you can't have a sustainable business unless what you do also improves your own life. And so as I was like reading this and flipping back and forth and flipping through the pages and reading, I was just like, oh my gosh, I really made some, I had a different path. I made some tough calls. I made big decisions over the course of my nine years. I mean, I pivoted from date coaching to business coaching. I scaled back to be with my family and to take care of my health. I made choices between those times that aligned with my values and my vision. I mean, I forwent, foregone, foregoed, foregoing. I forwent, is that it? I don't know. I didn't follow the path of certain revenue streams and certain marketing options because they just didn't align with my values or my style or how I wanted to work with people. Or like I could have had a passive income course 
And there's nothing wrong with passive income courses. I didn't want that. I love the connection with people. I could have moved to a full group model. I didn't do that for a very long time. I still haven't because I really love connecting individually with people. I have a mastermind group that takes up a huge amount of my days and my times, and I love it because I also give them private coaching calls and access to me, right? They're just decisions that I made, and had I made the decisions of the people that I was comparing myself to, I might have hit that milestone quicker and in their way, but I would not have been happy. So the truth is, is that all of the decisions that I have made have allowed me to do business on my terms my way, in a way that's going to sustain and bring me joy. And I just kept seeing this pattern in all of my journaling. And as I looked through it, what I noticed were a collection of lessons. Ten lessons really popped out at me, which have been instrumental in my success and my path and my business growth. And I do believe that if you hear these lessons, you can apply them in your way to your business so that you can do business on your terms in a way that is both successful and sustainable in ways that are profitable and impactful and most importantly, fulfilling. So to mark my nine-year business anniversary, I thought, why not share these lessons? One for each year that I have been in business, that I have embarked in this world of entrepreneurship, and an extra lesson, you know, as a cherry on top, right? One to grow on. So it has been such a rewarding past nine years. And more importantly, these nine years have been authentically mine. And now I'm going to share them with you on this episode of Back to Community. Success is about more than what you know or who you know. It is all about the quality of connections that you have with others. If you're ready to transform your business, elevate your influence, and fuel your financial success, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Rita Goodrow, a community-building expert, business strategist, and speaker who's dedicated to helping individuals, teams, and organizations build stronger connections in an increasingly disconnected world so that they unlock success and fulfillment. And for business, that translates into more creativity, more risk-taking, innovation, and increased profits. Join me weekly to discover actionable strategies, inspiring stories, and transformative insights that will help you connect deeply with your audience, your clients, and your network. Because you see, when you turn those connections into a loyal and trusting community, you will see your business grow like never before. It is time for a connection revolution because success is inevitable when you focus on building community. So let's get back to it. Lesson one that I'm sharing with you today is trust. Not just any kind of trust. It's not trust in other people or trust in your strategy or trust in your software. I am talking about the most critical trust that you can develop, and that is trust in yourself. This isn't just about taking risks, although yes, when you trust yourself, it's easier to take risks and to step out of your comfort zone. But it's really about that belief, that full, deep, deep deep-seated belief that you can not only just take any action, it actually goes further than that. It's not just trust that you can take any action. It's trust that you can navigate whatever happens from taking those actions. Trusting that you have the ability, the skills, the support, the, the resilience 
to weather any storm that happens, to get through anything. I'll give you an example from my date coaching days. So oftentimes, people were kind of sabotaging their dating lives in ways that they didn't realize. And the reason, when you really dug into it, the reason why they were doing that was because they had been through a bad breakup. And in that breakup, they let it derail their life. They lost connections with friends. Sometimes they lost jobs. They would, you know, get unhealthy. They would stay on their couch. They would, it literally derailed their life in some kind of way. And so what they're thinking without realizing that they're thinking it is if they get back in that situation, the same thing will happen. But what they haven't really connected is that they're not that person anymore, that the person who got derailed back then has grown, learned lessons from that, right? Because they did eventually get through it and get to the other side. So they learned lessons. They learned coping mechanisms. They learned uh, like healthy coping mechanisms. They learned skills. They got support. They have literally grown in their life. They aren't the same person that they were. And so it would be nearly impossible for that same scenario to happen again. But because they didn't work on developing or noticing that ability and that change to trust that they could handle a breakup differently, they just don't believe that. They don't believe that they would, whether it's conscious or not. They're thinking, I won't be able to get through it. If that happened again, my life is over again. All of these same things are going to happen. So learning how to develop that trust is so important because that's when something really magical happens. When you trust that you can not only take any action, but you can navigate whatever happens as a result of taking that action, decisions in your business get easier, implementation gets faster, everything in your business just feels more fun because you really can stop worrying about being wrong. And and I was talking about this to the members of my mastermind group the other day. I have a program, Six Figure CEO Mastermind, which, by the way, There are two spots available for this next round that starts in mid-July. And so if you want in, this is your time. I mean, almost every single member is coming back. And round after round, members come back, but I've got two spots open. So if this is for you, go to the link in the show notes and submit your application. An application doesn't obligate you. It just makes sure you're a good fit for it. But anyway, we were talking about this in the mastermind group. And we were talking about how much time business owners waste because they're fearful of being wrong. What if I pick the wrong subject for my list builder? What if I pick the wrong pricing? What if I pick the wrong package? What if I title the program the wrong title? What if I join the wrong networking group? What if I get on the wrong social media platform? What if I implement the wrong strategy? I think you've been there before. I know I've been there before. We have all been there before. We worry about choosing the wrong strategy, the wrong clients, the wrong rates, the wrong elevator pitch. I mean, I could just, I could do 18 episodes where all I do is list every single thing that we're going to worry about being wrong about. But all that does is take time. We're just spending time worrying about being wrong when that time could be spent growing your business. So instead of making yourself wrong, what I tell all my clients is just make yourself right. Just what if you were always right? What if you never made a wrong decision? What if you just made a decision and knew that that decision, whatever results from it, would put you where you needed to be? 
was working for you and not against you, that you could navigate successfully whatever happened as that result. If you knew prior to making a decision, let's pretend, let's make it like the most simple thing ever, like Instagram or Facebook, and where am I going to show up and really build my business? If you knew that whichever one you built would work for you, would put you where you needed to be, and that no matter what those results were that you were seeing from your activity on that platform, you could navigate it and you could navigate it to your success, it would be so easy to pick because you would just pick the one that feels good to you. And be like, well, I like Instagram better. Or I like Facebook better, dot, 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 right? Like you would make a faster decision. You would implement, you would implement more fully. You would have more energy. And so all of that's easy to do when you trust in your ability to navigate any outcome. So how do you do that? How can you learn to trust that no matter what happens, you'll be able to navigate it because that kind of self-trust is a game changer, a game changer in business. So what you do there, and there are lots of ways, but I'll share, I'll share two. I'll share two ways. So two ways that you can build that trust are number one, to go back to times where something felt negative. You felt like you were never going to come out on the other side of something and really spend some time writing out how you felt in the moment, and then how you came out on the other side, and what were the lessons that you learned? What are the skills that you've developed? What's the support that you now have in place? What is different? What is different between you now and you at the time that the negative thing happened? It could be a breakup. It could be something terrible happened with finances. It could be a relationship issue. It could be a variety of different things. But whatever that is that went quote-unquote wrong, that went badly, that felt negative— What's different now than then that would mitigate that and would keep that from happening? So like really write that out. And then the other is to continuously build competence. Our trust that we can navigate things really comes from learning and honing skills, especially in in business. So the more proficient you become, the more you're going to trust your ability to perform well. So it could be working on sales skills. It could be working on writing. It could be working on dot, dot, dot. But the more confident you feel in your ability to make decisions, take action, figure things out. And so sometimes that building confidence isn't from like educational moments. It is from surrounding yourself with the right support. So joining a mastermind like the six-figure CEO mastermind, guys, or just doing the thing and then like learning how you feel and doing self-reflection But I think the big one, if I had to say just do one thing to learn how to trust that you can navigate whatever results is really go back and play in your mind your life up to this moment. And every time that it felt like you were getting derailed, things didn't go according to plan, you felt off kilter, you felt like it was not going to work out, or every time that you just thought, I can't do it, and then you did something and you did it, but really it's what's different. What's different from you now than then? And how do those things help you feel confident to move forward? Now, the next lesson. The next lesson sounds really cliche. I do not want you to roll your eyes. I want you to stay with me. And it's enjoying the journey more than the destination. And I say this because it really isn't kind of a destination. Here, stick with me. Like, keep listening. The number one I'll say number one (laughs) reason that most people who contact me are feeling disappointed in your business is because they feel like 
They haven't arrived yet. Why haven't I arrived? I mean, even in the story that I shared with you at the beginning about how I didn't want to celebrate a really huge milestone was because I felt like I hadn't arrived yet. If I didn't do it in a certain way, if I hadn't hit it following a certain process or following some kind of unwritten rule, then I hadn't really arrived. I hadn't really made it. And here's the thing. We never really feel like we've arrived. We've never really feel like we've made it. We never really feel like it's enough, but we keep waiting. We keep waiting for the amount of revenue or the publicity or the opportunity or the thing that will make you go, there we go. That's it. That's enough. I've arrived. It's that elusive there. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get to this finish line that I'm sprinting towards. But like the newsflash is there doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. We chase that feeling of arriving. But what I've really learned both in my nine years of business and helping hundreds of other entrepreneurs grow theirs is that that sense of fulfillment that you're really looking for is not delivered by an external milestone. It's internal. Success is internal. It's not external. You might go, okay, well, once I reach $100,000, then, but you reach $100,000 and you're like, it's not enough. Because what happens is as you grow, your business grows, you change, life changes. So suddenly you feel like you need to do different things or you have to hit different goals or you have more that you want to do or, and the idea is kind of like, we get there, we arrive, but then it feels like we're not there. Like, oh, this wasn't really it. There's still further I've got to travel, right? And we keep chasing and chasing that feeling. Fulfillment is not external. Fulfillment is internal. It's enough because you've decided this is enough. I'm there because I've decided I'm there. I mean, this is really the crux of most disappointment is focusing on that non-existent there destination. I mean, number one, you might feel like I want to, kind of like with my example from the beginning, cross that million dollar mark in revenue. But if you don't reach it, even though you might be completely successful according to your new key performance indicators, according to the new way that you're measuring metrics, right? You might really be successful, but then, or feel successful, but you won't in that moment because you're like, oh, well, I said I would do this. So if you don't reach it or your journey just takes a turn and puts you somewhere that you never anticipated being, like what could happen is you could end up feeling like you failed. Well, I said I was going to do this, but I didn't do it. Or I did it, but I didn't do it in this way or that way. So did I do it right? Did I do it wrong? Like, When you arrive, the victory lap is really fleeting. The goalpost moves, right? New challenges appear. The chase just starts all over and over. But guess what? You don't have to feel like that. You don't have to put off contentment. You don't have to put off feeling content until you've checked off a goal. There's always going to be more to strive for. But that doesn't need to rob you of feeling happy and content now. In fact, it's recognizing that, quote unquote, there is no there that unlocks that abundance and that sense of completeness, which opens the door for more growth. It really does fuel your growth. If you feel like you're lacking something, you're really not. When you focus on that lack, again, what you focus on expands. So that becomes a speed bump that keeps you from actually getting to where you want to go. This is where self-trust from lesson one really comes into play. You have to flex that muscle. You have to trust that you can navigate whatever happened. So remind yourself that past challenges may not have panned out as expected, but guess what? You got somewhere. 
you navigated it successfully. So you have to remember all of that. Those trust issues arise from those past experiences that have knocked us off our path, but you're not that same person. So you have to acknowledge that growth, which gives you that trust, which gives you the capacity to navigate ups and downs in business. But when you couple that with there's no there, so there's no feeling of lack that I haven't gotten there yet. It's am I enjoying the moment? Am I feeling grateful for what I have? Am I feeling content with what I have? Because internally, I've just decided to. That allows you then to attract all of the things that will make you feel more contentment, more fulfilled, Like attracts like, and when we're not feeling grateful and we're not feeling content and we're feeling like we failed and we're feeling like there's a lack, we're going to attract more of those things. So lesson two, there is no there. Stop trying to get there. There isn't. Instead, ask yourself, how can I enjoy the actions I'm taking, the process, so that as I'm just continuously moving forward and growing, I'm enjoying every moment of it. And that really rolls into lesson three. So lesson one is that idea of trust and learning to really trust yourself to navigate whatever happens as a result of taking actions. And then lesson two is that there is no there. But lesson three is fall in love with the process. It's the art of falling in love with the process. You have to learn how to love what you're doing, not what you're achieving. You have to learn what you're doing. If you don't love how you're growing your business, let's just be honest, it's not going to grow. If you're not excited about something, no one else is going to be excited about something. If you're not excited and loving it and love how it feels to actually take the action and do the thing, you're less likely to take the action and do the thing. I mean, I touched on this when I was talking about comparison earlier, you know, where I told you that I measured my success against all of these other people who hit the same milestone that I had, but did it their way. Again, they did it their way, which was fantastic for them. But when I was honest with myself, if I had done it that way, it would not have been fantastic for me. Had I copied all of their decisions around their offerings and their marketing strategies and all the things between, I guarantee I would have hated it. I would not have enjoyed it. And there's no way I probably would have hit the mark that I hit at all. I would not be celebrating that milestone of exceeding a million dollars in revenue at all. So the lesson here is make sure that your way of building your business feels good to you because that's when you're going to see all of those feel-good results. If you focus too much on that end result as your source of satisfaction and ignoring whether how you're doing it, that process, your journey towards the results brings you joy and contentment and pleasure and excitement, that is a recipe for disappointment and not achieving your goals. One of my favorite quotes sums this up perfectly. The process of getting there is your experience being there. The process of getting there is the experience of being there. I mean, think about it. However you feel on your way to achieving your goal is exactly how you're going to feel once you've hit that, that goal. People will say, oh, well, once I hit six figures, then I'll be more peaceful. I'll feel more secure. I'll be able to work out more. I'll be able to hang out with my family more. I'll have more fun. I'll feel like that once I've hit this six-figure mark. But then they hit the six-figure mark and they don't feel like that because the process of hitting six figures was stressful. They had to work all the time. They didn't get to prioritize their health. They didn't get to see their family. 
And guess what? To maintain that six figures now, the strategy, the process that they've built is requ- is like dependent on all of those things. I'm not seeing their family, I'm not prioritizing their health. That doesn't magically change because they hit six figures. So the process of getting there is exactly how you're going to feel once you're there. And remember, there is no there. That's what I mean. And so the idea is, how do you want to feel as you grow your business? And a great way to do that is pretend there's a there. So if you think, well, once I have a successful business, then I dot, 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 then you what? What are you doing? If you're like, once I have a successful business, then I am prioritizing my health. I'm traveling more. I'm having more fun. I'm feeling more excited. I feel secure. You have to ask yourself, how can I do those things or feel those ways now? How can I prioritize my health now? How can I hang out with my family now? How can I feel excited now? How can I feel content now in my process? Like, Take it further. In the process of growing my business, how can I make sure that I'm prioritizing my health? How can I make sure that I'm having fun? How can I make sure that I'm feeling excited? In all of your offerings, in the clients that you sign on, in your marketing strategies, the whole shebang, how can you feel good about it? How can it feel good to you? Remember, what works for others may not work for you, and that is okay. You have to do you. Comparison is 100% the thief of joy. Do not let it steal the joy of your journey. That's what it's about, loving your process. Lesson four, to play off the whole go all in on your business, right? As many of you may know, I mean, yes, I have this Facebook community, back to community, but I also started my journey creating a Facebook community for entrepreneurs called the All in Entrepreneur. And we're going to, we're going to play off that theme. So lesson four is doubling down on what works. You have to double down on what works. So many people come to me and they're looking for the next thing. So they've built their business. They've gotten clients. Um, they are generating revenue, whether it's one client or it's 10 clients, whether it's a dollar or it's a hundred dollars. Something worked. Something worked to get them that first client. Something worked to get them that first dollar. Something has worked to get them their 100th client and their 100th dollar. But they have this vision for something more. They want more. And so they come to me to say, what else? What else could I do? Or maybe there's a stall in their business. So they were generating revenue and they were getting clients and then for whatever reason, they're not. And so they come to me and say, what else, Rita? What else can I do? How can I do this? How can we get more clients? How can I uh, kickstart that revenue again? What can I do? So I want you to think back to the start of your business, whether that was yesterday or whether that was 18 years ago. What strategies have worked already? What strategy really worked when you first started your business? What got you your first client, your first few clients? What got you your first dollar or multiple dollars? What awareness strategy worked? What worked to make people aware of you and your business? What worked to have people say, I want to work with you? What worked to generate revenue, right? Really think about that. What helped you do it? What helped you create an audience? What helped you build your list? How did all of those firsts go? Because as our business grows, we really do fall into a trap of thinking we have to switch things up. You might have heard that phrase like, what got you here won't get you there. And I'm going to be honest, I do not like that phrase. I am not a fan of that phrase because I think it's the exact opposite. It is exactly what got you here that will get you there. 
It's just a leveled up version of the original. So instead of spending all of that brain power and energy and time racking your brain about what else, what else could I do to ascend to the next level? Ask yourself, how can I just ramp up what is already working? I was talking to a client about this the other day. She, and I think I shared this in a previous episode, she wanted to sign more people into an academy and a program that she runs. And she was saying, well, what else can I do? And I said, well, what has worked so far? She's like, well, most people come to me for my podcast. I said, okay, so how can we do more of that? How can we do more of what's already working? If your podcast is working, what can we do to get to that next level of your podcast? And we talked about additional episodes. We talked about going deeper in the structure, getting more metrics on her audience, right? How can we do more of what's already working? I keep tabs on what's working, and this is part of my mid-year review, and I do it by tracking tons of metrics in my business. And even if you don't, that is okay. Even if you don't have the metrics to go back and look at what's been working, just sit down and think about it. You know what has moved your business forward, whether that was forward 1% or forward 10% or forward 80%, whether that was yesterday or months ago or years ago. What has worked? Have you drifted from those things? If networking worked and you're not networking, if posting in Facebook groups worked and you're not posting in Facebook groups in the same way anymore, if sending out newsletters worked, but you're it's not working in the same way or you're not sending those newsletters anymore, just What worked? Really go back. Have you drifted away from those strategies or tactics? How can you kind of double down on those? How can you still use them? Like if you are still using them, how can you supercharge it? How can you take it to that heightened level? Like the client that I shared with you with the podcast, how can we amplify that podcast by increasing those episodes or diving deeper to understand her audience? Whenever I spot a stall, In my business's growth, it's usually because I have been drawn to that shiny new thing. I think we all know that syndrome, right? The shiny new thing syndrome, that belief that some fresh, new, untested strategy, something we've never done before, will magically generate all of these results that I just haven't gotten or that I'm after in that moment. But let me tell you, really, most times it is about doing more of what has already worked for you. And some people are like, but Rita, I've never gotten a paid client. And I'm like, well... Did you get a free client? Yeah, yeah, I had somebody I worked with for free. But what made that person want to work with you for free? Let's just amplify that. Let's double down on that. Let's spruce that up. Let's tweak that and use that to get you the client who will pay for you. You know, see what I'm saying? It's just time to double down and level up on what is already driving your success. Don't fix what isn't broken. Solve the right problem. And the problem usually isn't that you need a different strategy. It's just that we have to do more of the strategy that's already working. We'll stick with the gambling analogy because it's been a while since I've talked about that. I know it's not like I don't want you guys to to gamble at all. And I don't want you to feel like you have to go all into your own detriment and burning out. But I haven't used these analogies in a long time. So lesson five, we're going to say bet big on you, but not just on you, bet big on your strengths. Really trust that your strengths are going to be the thing that builds your business. In the early days of my business, I think many of you know, I was everywhere speaking all the time. Every opportunity I could find, I spoke to every group, every association, 
I was contacting churches. I, I got rooms in local libraries and started my own speaking events. Even if just one or two people, I trickled in. I remember a snowstorm and like the only reason the two people were in the room in the library was because there was a snowstorm that started out of nowhere. But like the point is I spoke everywhere and I did it because I loved it. Remember that enjoying the process? I loved speaking. It wasn't just an effective way to generate leads and interest in my business, although it was, but it wasn't just that. It really worked because I was passionate about it. My excitement, my energy, it was contagious. It attracted more of that same back. So that quickly built up my business. But here's the thing. As my client list grew, my speaking started to dwindle. My speaking engagement started to dwindle. I had more work I needed to do with clients. So eventually, that got to a point of not speaking at all. And I didn't even realize that. I did not even realize it was happening. And before I knew it, I hit a stall in my business. My business hit a brick wall and my enthusiasm was gone. I was feeling frustrated. I was feeling defeated. And so I started digging into why and it just hit me. I had stopped doing what I loved, what I was good at speaking. Instead, I had just started pouring my time and energy into things I didn't enjoy but also things I wasn't good at. (laughs) Things I just, and the reason probably I wasn't great at it is I didn't enjoy it. So I didn't really hone my skills in it, right? Like creating reels or fussing over Facebook ads, drafting these very intricate like email nurturing sequences. But when I decided, you know, wait, wait a minute, I'm gonna, what's worked, right? What worked in the past? Speaking, why did it work? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the process, right? Like, and I'm good at it. And I'm going to bet on that again. And when I did, when I leaned into speaking over writing, when I leaned into speaking over my newsletter or throwing money at ads, my business really, it's not that I didn't do a newsletter or anything like that. I'm just saying when I really leaned into speaking over all of that in a big way, my business passed through that. It broke through that brick wall. It got kickstarted. The stall was gone. The plateau was gone. I doubled my income that year, doubled my income. So I want you to ask yourself this. What are your strengths? Do you know? What skills do you have that you currently enjoy using? Take a really hard look at your strategies, your lead generation strategy, your sales strategy, your your marketing strategy, your client service strategy. Take a look at all of this stuff. Are you leveraging those strengths within each part of that? What needs to change so that you can lean into your talents in a bigger, bolder way? It's not just smart. It is a thing that will propel your business forward. Lesson six, you cannot do it on your own. You can't go it alone. I am the first to confess all the time that I am the bottleneck in my business. I have been the bottleneck in my business. I continue to be the bottleneck in my business more times than I could even think about, even if I wanted to admit every single time and share every single time. I can't even think of it all. It's not uncommon. All of my clients face the same issue. We are all usually the bottleneck in our business. They are so aware that they can't do it alone, but they get kind of overwhelmed or confused or unsure when it comes to, or fearful when it comes to hiring someone, a contractor, assembling a team, or surrounding themselves with with support. I mean, obviously my clients surround themselves with me. My mastermind members surround themselves with other members of the mastermind, Community members of mine, you know, if you're participating in the community, you are surrounding yourself 
with members of that community, but most people are joining my community and they're not participating. They're not connecting with the other members. So many people in my community aren't working with me. They're not coaching with me. They're not in a mastermind group. They're not getting that support. They don't have someone that they can delegate work to. They don't have a team that fully supports them. They don't feel fully supported. And we fall into this place of like, I have to do it all. I have to do it on my all on my own, whether that's from fear of I can't afford to get the support I want, whether it's hesitation, whether it's, you know, not trusting yourself to pick the right support, like all of this stuff. So it all starts with like knowing that you need support so that you can thrive in what you do, but you're not going to thrive in what you do when you're doing everything that you don't do and you shouldn't do, and you're not getting that support to help you get out of your own way. It's always usually fear. Fear that if you allow someone else to do something or suggest something or, you know, it will, let's talk about team. I'm going to focus on team for a minute. That if you allow someone else to do something, a task, that they'll do it better or they'll do it differently. And for a lot of my clients, it's, and it's not as good as I would do it. They might not say that, but that's what they're thinking. But what that really leads to is insecurity, that we're not good enough, that we were wrong. Have we been doing it wrong the whole way? We can't like allow for that space for someone to do something better or do it differently. We think in a way it's a sign of failure, a sign of weakness, but seeking support, whether it's a team member or it's a coach, it's a coach in a mastermind group, it's my mastermind guys, six-figure CEO, get your butts in there. But let's just be clear that seeking support is not a sign of inadequacy or failure. It is about creating room for those strengths that you are going to double down on to flourish. And that is what allows your business to expand. So you can't be shy. You can't not ask for help. You have to ask for help. Build a network of support around you. Where are you standing in your own way? What actions are you not taking? What things are you not doubling down on? Where are you feeling hesitancy? Where are you feeling fear? What are you holding on to because you think you can do those tasks faster or better? Or where are you not asking for input or somebody to show you your blind spots because you're worried about that constructive feedback? Where are you so fixated on doing things your way that you're overlooking that it could be done another way? Once you've pinpointed all of that, then bring in the reinforcements. Delegate, let go, ask for help, ask for support. When you stop trying to do it all, that's when everything starts flowing in. You can't do it all and then expect things to flow in and be able to handle it all and handle it all successfully with nothing falling through the cracks. And the universe, God, higher power, whatever it is for you, knows that. So if it knows you can't handle what would flow in from getting it all, it's not sending all. And it's because you're doing it all. So you just need to stop doing it all, guys. You need to stop doing it all. Lesson seven is a hill that I will die on for all of my clients and all of my community members and you. And it's a lesson that I needed to learn early on and quickly in my business. And I will tell you this, I have to remind myself of this constantly. I am not an influencer. I am a CEO. I own a business and I am the CEO of that business. I am not an influencer. When I made the leap 13 years ago, 14 years ago now, almost as a, from being a business attorney to coaching, I had what people would describe as like a very, in fact, people did a very professional approach to my business. Many of you may remember the first name in my business was Women's Business Garden. 
at Women's Business Garden, LLC. And I spoke in the we, right? At Women's Business Garden, LLC, we, and I used puns for gardening when anyone who knows me knows I can't keep a plant alive to save my life. But it was like, at Women's Business Garden, we cultivate community and grow ideas to keep business blooming. And I had like this very professional description and I talked about my, it just, whatever. It didn't present a problem until the end of the first year when everything was stalling. And what I realized later is I just had not really leaned into my true brand, my true identity, that what people really thought about me, my energy, all my strengths and all my skills, right? But here, here's what I thought it was. The online business landscape was booming at the end of that first year. So when I transitioned from date coaching to business coaching, that online space, that that was the hottest it's ever been. And influencer culture was at the all-time high. It was the reigning king of social media. And so at that moment that I decided, you know what, I'm going to go from like networking in person and like, do, and I'm going to use this online business landscape to grow my business. It was so easy to get swept up in that current and that feeling that the need to emulate the strategies that were employed by influencers. Because as a solopreneur, right, we've as solopreneurs, we find ourselves navigating all the same platforms and systems as influencers. We are seeing influencers on- online using a lot of the same tools for marketing and awareness that, you know, we're using, but for completely different purposes. But we don't separate that in our mind. They are influencers. You, my friend, to my knowledge... <laughs> are a CEO. You're the CEO of a business. And so we can't run our business in the same way. The reality was I was not an influencer. So adopting influencer strategies definitely didn't, and it wasn't going to, yield the growth that I desired for my business. I was a CEO, and I had to operate my business from that standpoint, even before considering my role as a service provider. I have to be CEO before I'm like when we're the solopreneur, we're almost everything, right? And I had to be CEO before being the service provider in my business, before being the head of sales, before, before being the head of marketing, I had to be a CEO. And so really understanding what that meant in a practical sense, that was a game changer. That was the game changer for my business. And it's the reason that I emphasize and teach this to all of my clients and my mastermind clients as they transition to the CEO role or as they really step into it or own it in a different way. They might think they've been being the CEO of their business, but really they've just been like a really organized influencer. And that's why my program is called the Six Figure CEO Mastermind. You don't have to be a six-figure earner. You have to want to have the mindset of generating that revenue in your business. Again, head to the link in the show notes, guys, and check it out, right? But this is this is what it's all about grasping what that means. Influencers, guys, influencers are primarily concerned with growing their audience and getting rapid sales. They grow their audience and they get rapid sales. And that's why brands strike deals with them. That's their whole point. Have a big following and get instant sales. But the priorities of a CEO differ so much. And recognizing what that distinction is is vital and how it changes how you show up online how it changes your marketing strategies, how it changes your sales strategies, it's vital. So ask yourself, in what areas are you running your business like an influencer instead of a CEO? And how can you drop the influencer strategies and move into real solid business growth strategies? Here's lesson eight. Lesson eight is stop worrying about getting clients. (laughs) 
Stop it. Don't focus on getting clients. I want you to focus on having conversations, creating connections with people. Your entire job at this point is to create conversations. How did I create a conversation today? How did I create a conversation and lead it from a place of curiosity? Do you see all the C words here, guys? Conversations, curiosity, connection clients. There we go. That should be a that should be a framework, shouldn't it? It's like, focus on conversations. When you focus on conversations and you're curious in those conversations, you will create a connection. And that leads to clients, right? That leads to clients. So instead of focusing on getting clients, shift your focus to starting conversations. I mean, I learned this early in my business and I I wholly credit this for the significant growth that I've had. And it was shifting focus from getting clients to nurturing conversations. When you obsess over, when you're focused over signing clients, what you're really looking at is lack. And remember, what you focus on expands. So when you're focused on signing clients, you're really focused on what you don't have, the clients you don't have. And when you focus on that, that's just going to amplify and your energy is completely different. And suddenly you will end up creating that reality, right? Our thoughts lead to our feelings, which create our actions, which lead to our results, right? That whole thing, your attention is centered on what you lack. And so that's going to expand. And that focus places a lot of pressure on every move you make because you want every single thing to result in a sale. I want this strategy to result in a sale. I want this conversation, this the sales call to result in a sale, right? I want this post online to result in a sale. I want going to this networking event to result in a sale because you're looking at getting the client. So when it doesn't, when you go to the networking event and you didn't get a client, when you post to that post online and you didn't get a client, it just amplifies that sense of inadequacy and that fuels that sense of desperation leading to more missed sales opportunities and the cycle continues. So instead, I want you to concentrate on the actions required to get clients. This is intimately connected to the person you have to be to achieve those results. Think about it. What type of individual attracts the desired outcome of clients? Who do you have to be in order to get the clients you want to get? In my case, I'm someone who engages in conversations from a place of curiosity I love discovering people and learning about people. So this means I'm a person who initiates conversations. I'm a person who asks a lot of questions. I'm a person who listens attentively. Attentively? Is that right? Attentively? (laughs) I listen. (laughs) And I'm always striving to learn more. And I show up, right? I show up every day. I'm doing direct outreach every day. Like All of that is a person I have to be. I have to be a person who shows up in that way and does those things and fosters relationships. That's who I am. And it's the relationships that pave the way for opportunities and clients and sales. So I really want you to do like a pulse check. Where is your focus? Are you overly concerned with the end result, with the sale, with the client, with the revenue? Instead, I really want you to think about the actions you have to take to get those results. And then go a step deeper. What type of person, who do you need to be to be the kind of person who would generate that revenue? How do you need to show up and what actions do you need to take to generate that level of revenue, to sign those type of clients, to get that kind of opportunity? 
if you're kind of uncertain about who you have to be or what you have to do, just adjust your focus to starting conversations. You are a professional conversation starter now. That is your job title. Just ask yourself, what did I do today and all day to open up conversations? I promise you're going to be amazed at the heights that your business can reach if you do this one thing. All right, here's lesson nine, meaning we're going to get to that lesson 10, one to grow on here soon. Relationships are greater than reach. That's a lesson. I could just drop the mic right now and I could leave, right? Relationships are more important than reach. Relationships are greater than reach. Relationships over reach, right? Like relationships, relationships and not reach. However, I need to say this to get this to really sink in. The temptation to join that comparison game that I was talking about earlier, the temptation to really emulate the influencer culture, right? leads to a temptation to prioritize more, more followers, more eyes, more visibility, more subscribers, more community members, more, more, more. It leads to that drive to prioritize more over meaningful connections. And that is the downfall of a business. The minute that that is where your focus is, how can I get more YouTube subscribers? How can I get more podcast subscribers? How can I get more newsletter subscribers? How can I get more followers? And you're doing that to the detriment of building deep relationships with the people whose eyes are already on you. You're doing it to the detriment or you're into the detriment you're not doing it or you're not doing it well. Establishing relationships with people who are already in your network, that is the downfall of a business. What is the point of having connections if there is no connection? What is the point of having all of these connections if there's no real connections? I encounter people all of the time who, despite boasting a huge number of followers or a big email list, they are really dealing with a lack of clients or low sales. And so they're looking for answers. What else can I offer that can sell better? But the problem never really lies with what they're offering. It's with the quality of their connections. They have many connections, but they're lacking meaningful connections. They have a big list, but their list isn't engaged. They have followers and subscribers, but those followers and subscribers are disinterested. They're not interacting. They're not even listening all the way through or watching all the way through or reading all the way through. They have failed to build deep, trusting, reciprocal relationships. And as a result, their business stalls. Adding more people to your social media and increasing your podcast listeners and expanding your email list is not going to fix the problem of sales and clients because it's not a numbers issue. It is a connection issue. If your business isn't getting the results you desire, stop asking how to reach more people and start asking how to deepen the connections with those who are already within your circle. Any plateau I've hit in my business, it's usually because I've lost sight of that. I lost sight of the relationships and I started focusing on reach. It's not about the number of people I'm reaching. It's just not. It's about deepening the connections with the people who are already in my sphere, going deeper with current clients. That guarantees more success. Going deeper with current community members, with current email subscribers, with current LinkedIn followers, with current Instagram followers. That same applies like across the board to this podcast. Relationships always have to take precedence. This is why, again, my primary role in my business is to initiate conversations, is to engage in curious conversations because it always, hands down, builds relationships. 
So that brings me back to my most essential task, which is creating relationships by initiating conversations from a place of curiosity. So I want you to ask yourself, where is your focus? Are you more fixated on reach? How well connected are you with people in all of those different circles? How well connected, what is the quality of relationships you have with all of your LinkedIn followers, with all of your Facebook followers, with all of your Instagram followers, with all of your podcast listeners, with all of your email list subscribers, with all of your clients, with all of your community members, with all of the members of any networking group that you go to? Rather than exerting energy towards increasing numbers, what would it look like to go deeper in all of those places and spaces? And now we've come full circle almost because here's that final quote unquote one to grow on lesson. Here's my bonus 10th lesson. And if you listened to my introduction, which I hope you did, and you heard that very emotional story of falling into the comparison trap and everything that I was doing, and it ties right into this lesson. Decisions in your business must be strategic and they cannot be emotional. I'm not saying that you won't have emotions. And I'm not saying that you won't be emotional about the decisions and that there won't be emotions attached to the decisions, but you have to be strategic instead of emotional. In my career as a lawyer, one very fundamental lesson that I learned is that a business is an actual separate legal thing, its own breathing person, right? Like it's separate from the owner. Like I couldn't walk into a courtroom and say, hey, I'm here as an employee of the business and I'm representing the business, right? Like I'm representing myself. Nope, a business is a person and therefore it needs its own counsel. Even if I'm the owner and then I need my own counsel, like guys, there's a whole legal thing here. What I'm trying to say is a business is separate from its owner. You are not your business, you own a business and your business needs you to make strategic decisions. It has its own needs, its own rights. So untangling myself from my business was one of, if not the most significant lesson that I have learned, and it is the hardest. It has been the most difficult. It is not an easy task. I am not my business. I am the owner of a business. My needs and my business's needs sometimes coincide and sometimes they diverge. But as CEO of my business, I am its steward. I am literally a fiduciary of it. And I am obligated to protect its interests, not mine. As the owner, CEO, et cetera, et cetera, of a business, you have an obligation to protect the business. That is your obligation. Think about it. You wouldn't expect a CEO of a Fortune 500 company to make decisions that protected his personal interests over the interests of the company, that would be uh, huge grounds for a lawsuit, right? A huge lawsuit to oust the CEO and all of this. Yet, we are doing this in our business so frequently. We are making decisions from what's in our best interest and not necessarily what's in the best interest of our business. You have to make decisions that serves your business's best interest and not yours. That means making choices for the financial health of your business and the sustainable growth of your business, which often conflicts with what you want personally and how you want to feel personally. So your decision should never be driven by your personal fears. It shouldn't be driven by, well, I'm not going to do this because personally, I'm scared to do this. I don't like being on video. So personally, I don't want to be on video if what your business 100% needs is for you to be on video. This is not to suggest in any way 
that you should act contrary to your morals or to your values. Your business vision and mission when you're creating your business should 100% align with your morals and your values. And your business model has to cater to all of that as well and the lifestyle that you desire. But after that, you have to recognize there will always be times when the needs of your business and what protects your business clashes with your personal wants and what protects you. So recognizing that you are not your business and making strategic rather than emotional decisions is crucial for its success. So where right now in this moment in your business are your decisions rooted in your feelings, tiredness, boredom, fear? Are those decisions genuinely, truly serving your business's best interests? Are they fostering growth of your business? Are they safeguarding it? If not, what changes need to be made and what support do you need to facilitate those changes? So to recap, right, to recap these nine lessons and one to grow on, one for your business to grow on, the first lesson is you really need to develop trust in yourself, but not trust only to take actions, trust to navigate whatever happens. Really develop that deep-rooted trust in yourself to navigate anything that comes your way as a result of any action that you take. Number two, remember there is no there. Stop trying to get there. It's not about the destination because that just sets you up for failure. Instead, find a way to feel content now, to feel gratitude now, to feel excitement and joy now, to feel rooted in abundance right now, no matter what is going on in your business this current moment. Number three, love the process. You have to love how you are building your business. Number four, what has been working? Take what has worked in the past in any kind of way and just do more of it. Lesson five, double down on those strengths. What do you love doing? What are you good at doing? And double down on those. Look at your entire business, all the strategies and processes, Are you utilizing that strength or those strengths repeatedly and consistently? The next lesson, you can't do it alone. You have to surround yourself with support, whether that's a team, a coach, mastermind group. Don't be the bottleneck in your business. Remember, this is one of my favorite lessons. Next lesson, you are not an influencer. You are the CEO of a business. So influencer strategies and tactics will not be what grows the business that you are wanting to have. Do you know what CEO strategies and tactics are? Do you know how to show up for your business and in your business in that way? Make sure you do. Shift your focus. Shift your focus from getting clients to starting conversations. The next lesson, remember that relationships are always more important. They are always more valuable than reach. Prioritize relationships over reach in every area of your business. And then finally, business decisions should be strategic and not emotional. Make sure that you are making decisions as the protector, the fiduciary, the CEO of your business. Your job is to protect and do what's in the best interest of your business, which may conflict with what you want personally. Have you separated yourself from your business? Do you know how to while still maintaining your morals and values within your business? And ask yourself, if you are still tangled, what needs to happen to untangle it so you can make decisions strategically? 
These lessons aren't important unless you take action. So I want you to pick one. Just pick one lesson that really resonated with you, that really spoke to you, that made you feel that feeling in your gut or made you stop. How can you integrate that lesson into your business strategy? What steps can you take right now to start implementing those insights? I want you to come over to the Back to Community Facebook group. So just go on Facebook or go to the show notes and click on the link for the Back to Community Facebook group and share it. This is where power and growth really happens in your business. When you vocalize, when you share, when you get feedback, when you get insights, when you get that support from other people from speaking these things out to one another, and when you read what other people are sharing, I really, really want you to participate in that community. I 100% believe that it will be a fundamental change for your business if you do so. So go over and say, this is the lesson, Rita, from your anniversary celebration episode. This is a lesson that I'm focusing on and integrating into my business. This is how I think I can do it. What are your thoughts? And then we're going to make sure that you commit to it. And just always remember, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the process. Feel excited and good when you're running your business on your terms. It's not about the destination. It's not about revenue milestones. It's about becoming that best version of yourself, your best version of yourself as a business owner and in your personal life from being a business owner and creating all of the things that really bring value to your world. I want you to remember what I had to remember. Your path to success is uniquely your path. It is small, consistent actions that align with your authentic self that is going to make the most significant impact. So I can't wait to hear what you're going to focus on in the Back to Community Facebook group. If you are interested in my six-figure CEO mastermind, it starts mid-July. Time is running out to fill one of these final two spots. I promise you, I promise you, you will be so excited for the growth that will take place in your business from that participation. If you have questions, head to the link, check it out. Feel free to email me at Rita at RitaMamieDoIt.com. And I will catch you next week on another episode of Back to Community. I hope you feel inspired and ready to take action on building powerful connections and communities. Now it's time to spread the love and share this connection revolution with others. If you enjoyed today's episode, snap a screenshot, share it, or post about it on social media and tag me, Rita Goodrow. I would absolutely love to see it. In fact, as a way of saying thank you, every month I select one person to win my community building resource bundle. This bundle is packed with tips, resources, and exercises to help you build and grow community. Let's get more people in on this adventure to elevate their business success through community and connection. And remember, we are all in this together. So let's continue the conversation in the Back to Community Facebook group. You'll find the link in the show notes. Until next time, keep connecting, keep growing, and let's get back to community.